Thanks for tuning in. This is another episode of Getting Strange with Stevie Mo. I'm Stevie Mo, and with me is my buddy Bobby Ray Bunch. How's it going? <laughs> it's it, it's going well. This is uh, about the second time we've tried to start this. Uh, I invited Bobby over to my palatial apartment, and uh, I know I already let him down. And right before we started, my dog had to go outside. Finally got him out, and we got 30 seconds in, and he took a big shit right in the living room. That's true. Or kitchen, or... Uh, whatever the room that is. Open floor concept. It is a <laughs> it is a very open floor concept. I've got I've basically got the shit that nobody wanted at Goodwill in my apartment. So, you know, this is the shit that they couldn't put out. Yeah. And that's uh that's how I live. As long as it works for you. Hey, I got laid last night, didn't I? I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, I was. Okay. I got, oh, I got the video. I'll, show I'll have you. to take your word for it. Yeah, you should see all the cameras I got set up in here. I'm a real scumbag. Oh, nice. <laughs> but uh hey, thanks for coming over. Yeah, Appreciate you having me. Making the drive. Uh We've known each other about fuck, over ten years, yeah. And you know, it's been a uh, been a real nice inspiration. Or, uh, yeah, just to kind of see what you've done with uh, with comedy. I, m- I remember when you, I think you had just gotten out of the Air Force, mm-hmm. and you had came in and did some stand up. I'm like, dude, this dude's really fucking good. And I just was able to you know watch you and just uh, over the years to see where you're currently at. So if you want to talk about where you're at now and what you do, um. Copper, do you want to? Uh, you want to fuck off real quick? Hey, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've already ruined this podcast. You've already ruined my life. Well, in his defense, I mean, you did decide to do a podcast episode in your one bedroom apartment with a large dog. Yeah, so that is very it's true. Not really, his fault. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, my uh, bathroom's in my bedroom. That's well, yeah, it's called a master suite. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, so it's a one master suite apartment yeah, is exactly. what it is yeah i think uh, i think in the real estate world they're actually getting away from calling it a master bedroom and it's supposed to be the primary bedroom oh for you know no negative connotations and things like that so oh. you know pc finds its way into every single <laughs> facet of life you know but i mean from a stand-up comedy standpoint you know it's something i got started in in 2010 and um, it kind of took off a little quicker for me than I had anticipated. I mean, six months in, I was featuring at comedy clubs where I, I mean, I had no business doing that. You know, I mean, it was, you're supposed to fill 25 to 35 minutes of, uh, time. And I think I maybe had five okay minutes, maybe <laughs> 10 on a good day. So it was a lot of just, you know, just making sure I filled the time and, uh, you know, went well enough. I was able to continue to, to grow and then moving to Iowa city was, was good because I was able to get on stage, you know, at least three times a week, which in the state of Iowa is pretty good. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're not in a, we're not in a hotbed of comedy like LA or New York or Chicago where you can get on every single night, um, or multiple times a night. So I was able to develop and sort of cut my teeth in Iowa city and the open mics they had there. You had every, everything from drunk college students to, uh, taxi cab drivers and i mean it was just a uh just a nice eclectic mix of people and so it was good you know i tried to develop material that would work anywhere because my goal was to just be on the road and i i really thought i would be doing comedy as a living and uh and so i i did i mean i started touring and i i've done comedy in probably 25 different states maybe more i don't know um got to do the comedy store and uh, casinos, clubs, uh, bars, restaurants, I mean, everything kind of in between. And, uh, so it went really well. I mean, it just kind of came to the point I graduated from college and went off to work in the corporate world and was still doing comedy and then kind of changed jobs and 
went more into comedy. So it's kind of like ebbs and flows. And, uh, I mean, I haven't really, I haven't done comedy in almost a year now. Really? Yeah. I mean, the last gig I did was a corporate event, um, February of 2020. Damn. And so a lot of that had to do with, you know, COVID Mm -hmm. obviously people weren't doing comedy shows. Not really, you know, I mean, maybe here and there, but you know, the train kind of came to a halt and, uh, to be honest with you, I hadn't really been developing new material and, and things like that. You know, I, you got to follow the money, right? So I was getting paid a lot more money to stay local and just play live music versus Mm -hmm. go on the road and make, you know, I was driving to North Dakota to make in a weekend what I could make in three hours locally. Yeah. So, so it's, it's that at that point where you're like, Hey, do you just want to add your resume or do you just want to add your bank account? Yeah. And I mean, I was doing comedy because I enjoyed it. You know, I, and it, it, it's one of those things where there's parts of it that I miss, but there's a lot of part, parts of it I don't. And I mm. felt like I kind of accomplished a lot of the things that I wanted to accomplish with it. Obviously, there was definitely some goals I didn't didn't meet, but I also didn't go at it 100 percent like I should have, you know. Yeah, but it's, um, you know, watching watching you over the years, you know, obviously when when stand up stopped becoming your uh, your your forte watching you become and you're just an entertainer. Copper, do you want to uh, go lay down or something? Smack him. Beat my dog on I'm life. Beating your dog. Go full Michael Vick on him. <laughs> <laughs> I love dogs. I just yeah, he's a don't feel like playing with one right now. He's no. a handful. Get out of here. Hey, do yourself a favor. Go lay down. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, big uh, big dog, small apartment. But yeah, it is what it is. It's a new reality show you should start. Oh, God, it'd be the worst, dude. It's like, Jesus Christ, is Steve really wearing that same shirt three days in a row, too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty sure that dog drooled all over it. But, yeah, watching you go from uh, from stand-up, then move into live music, and you're just such an entertainer. And everything that you were doing, you know, it was, it was very, very refreshing to watch because a lot of guys, it, there's a lot of funny comics in the Quad Cities, a lot of funny guys. But you were the one guy that was out there just – starting to do more, you know, mm-hmm. when you started, um, you know, shops with hops and food truck fight, things mm-hmm. I want to get into. It's just like, shit, man, you know, this, he started where we were. So if Bobby can get to this place and he started at the same place we are, we should all be able to start making something of ourselves. And, you know, some of us just don't have the uh, same, uh, drive and ambition that you do, but, uh, you know, or the talent, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it's, it was one of those things that it was just inspiring to see. I'm like, Hey, if, if he can do it, you know, maybe bring some attention and mm-hmm. some new, fresh uh, ideas. Hey, we, I was all about it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, everyone's got to have their own path and their own goals. And, um, I mean, my, my last 10 years have kind of played out, not definitely not as planned. I never thought that I'd be where I'm at now doing, you know, events and real estate and things like that. And I know I never, I never intended on being a full-time entertainer and, and, and whatnot, but it's, you, you just, like I said, you just kind of follow what's working best and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I did it. And sometimes, sometimes my ideas worked and I've definitely had plenty of ideas that didn't. It's the, it's the way it goes. I mean, maybe this podcast don't work. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's not going well already. It, it, it is. It is. Yeah. It is going. Yes, yeah, swimmingly. Yeah. But no, it's um, it's just a uh. I hey, Copper, you, do you want to go in that other room? I can't. You help can you. hear. Me. Go away. Go away. Copper, you're going in that. You're going in that room. 
You're going in the uh, in the what would you call it the primary the primary bedroom the primary yeah. bedroom yeah you're going in the primary bedroom dude. <laughs> uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the ideas that did work for you. Um, well, I mean, food truck fight's probably the best idea that I've had. I mean, it's been the most profitable <laughs> idea that I've had. <laughs> so it's um, obviously the best. <laughs> yeah, so I started uh, an event called Food Truck Fight that is. Um, it's a family-friendly food truck competition that we've expanded into three states. And, um, you know, we, before the pandemic, we're getting close to 10,000 people together and mm-hmm. everyone got to vote for their favorite food truck and we'd give them a big championship belt at the end of the day. And, uh, obviously we didn't do any in 2020 because of the pandemic. And so we're hoping that we kind of have a different concept that may work in 2021 where it's just, you know, we're not really going for the amount of people that we're used to, but we can still kind of put on a, a fun event and just kind of control the, uh, how many people can come, you know, and not do like a general admission type thing. Yeah. It's a, um, it's such a great idea because uh, I know a lot of people around here, you know, you watch food network and you see all these great food trucks mm-hmm. and you're like, shit, I wish we had these around here. You know, the city of Davenport did not make it easy to do. <laughs> I mean, they've, they really fucked a lot of small businesses. I mean, we can get into that a lot uh, some other time. But, you know, the idea that, okay, well, you want all these food trucks. They're all going to be in one place. You got to pay a small little fee. And then you get to try some amazing food from a lot of amazing vendors. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, oh, I want to say it was 2019. Just the atmosphere around there. Man, it was hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was so many people around. It was it was like one giant block party. It, it was, was, yeah. It was such a great... And I remember I, I talked to you. I think I spoke to you like for like five minutes. And you're like, dude, I'd love to stay in chat. I don't have time. And I've, I've never seen Busy Bobby. That was, a, that was a new Bobby to see, but... Well, I mean, my wife and I are running an event. I mean, I think at that one, we had a little over 8,000 people. And, you know, we're the only ones running it. I mean, mm-hmm. we, uh, you know, I, and I shouldn't say, I'm not trying to say it like that. We we have an amazing cast of volunteers that, that help us manage a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, I mean, I was running all the operations side of things. And my wife was running all the admissions side of things. And at that point in time, I was running all the social media. And I was the one going on local TV and the radio and and then also booking all the food trucks and um, handling all the online sales. And um, so it was a lot. And so when mm-hmm. it comes to the day of the event, um, you know, you have two choices. You can pay people to do all the shit for you or you can do it yourself and hopefully make <laughs> a little more money. And we chose to do it ourselves. So we were definitely stretched very thin. So that's the unfortunate part is I, I, I talk to people and they're like, oh, man, I had such a great time at Food Truck Fight. And I'm like, I didn't even know you were there. You know, I never <laughs> saw you or something like that. But you know, there's a million little fires you have to put out that mm-hmm. day and manage everything. But um, that's kind of what I enjoy. That's kind of my adrenaline rush. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it was a huge. I mean, it, it made me so proud when I rolled up there because they do it in in Leclerc and it's mm-hmm. down on the levee, mm-hmm. right in front of the Buffalo Bill Museum, and not the cool Buffalo Bill, you <laughs> know, the uh, historical figure. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, I, I get down there and there's just a sea of people, and it made me so fucking proud. I was like, dude. I know Bobby busted his ass for this, and just to see that kind of turnout for this kind of event, I'm like, dude, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, like it, 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 it was a proud, proud moment. Um, just as as a friend, and as like someone who you know, again, going back, like we've known each other for ten years, yeah, you know, and just kind of seeing the different paths we take, I was like, God damn, Bobby's got like a super, uh, you know, super big event. It's thriving and i'm like shit i had to have bum like 10 bucks from a buddy of mine to get fucking admission in <laughs> so it was the uh 
it was, I was, I mean, I was raised by entrepreneurs though. You know, my Mm. dad owned his own business. My uncle owned his own business. My, uh, you know, on my mom's side, my uncle's owned his own businesses and, and things like that. And so I've just always wanted to live that kind of life where I kind of created my own path. And, uh, it took me, took me some years to get there, but if you have, I think if you have the discipline and, and the work ethic, you can do it. But it's, you know, on the outside looking in, it's like, oh, great. He works for himself. That must be nice. But I mean, there's so much work that goes into it. And that's a that's a very scary thing, you know, doing what I do. Um, there's a lot of guys that can start their own business. You know, I'm a sheet metal worker and a lot of guys want to work for themselves. But the bad thing about it is you don't have guaranteed work. None. And that's a scary thing. And then the pandemic happens, mm-hmm. you know, and your, your guaranteed work is gone. Yeah. It's out of here. It's, it's non-existent, but it's, it, it's, it's gotta be rewarding, but also very scary at the same time. Well, I mean it is, but I, I if that little panic ever goes away inside then I'm going to, then I'll panic because I need that constant. What if I need that constant, nothing's guaranteed to, to keep me motivated. Otherwise, if everything, if everything's set and I don't, and I lose that motivation, what's the point of getting out of bed in the morning? Yeah. You know, why would I, why would I go work as hard if I already have everything I need? Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, it's a hell of a way to live by, I'm, you know, that being nervous, I always think is a good thing. Cause yeah. if you're, if, you're ner- if, if you don't worry about things, shit's going to creep up on you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, when they call it, you know, caught lacking or caught with your pants down, dude, if you get too comfortable in a situation, it's over with. I mean, that's happened with jobs of mine. It's happened with relationships of mine, dude. I, I should always have a constant fear that somebody's going to be fucking my girl, which, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, dude. So, and I mean, if you think about it, if you're not, and this is what's changed my life, you know, within the past couple months, I've, I've finally realized, and there was something you told me. You're like, dude, the best bet you can make is bet on yourself. Yeah. And I've I've struggled with a lot of shit over the years. But I finally figured out, like, at this point in my life, you know, you look at where I'm at, all the shit I go through. I am the happiest I've ever been in my fucking life. Good. And it's because I finally got the motivation. I bet on myself. I blamed so many fucking people for me not being happy, not being where I'm at. Well, that's easy. It's It's very easy. And it put me in a deep, dark place. I mean, that's probably why my drinking was getting out of control. And then I, I finally just realized, hey, dude, if you want to be happy, you want to get something done, you have to do it yourself. You know, my uh, my weight loss, finding my happiness, you know. You've lost uh, weight? <laughs> 75 pounds. <laughs> no uh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Because I don't, I don't know if you remember, like three years ago, I was at 280. I'm at 205 right now. Good for you. And yeah, dude, it's. And who did that for you? That was all me. Exactly. That was all me and my cocaine dealer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, you know, when I started working out again, and um, I I I still don't I don't run. I I've tried to run. You've you've it's put it out everybody. there. I mean, I haven't been running. I sprained my ankle, and I haven't been running. But I've you know I I'm I go in you know peaks and valleys with working out, and I mm. you know I just kind of got back into it the last couple of days, and it's just you know I got to take it. I'm getting old. Got to take it slow. You know, <laughs> and just jump back in and do six days a week or whatever. Yeah, I've uh, I've kind of struggled with that, but I joined a I joined a gym that I knew, and this is how <laughs> this is how how much I thought I was going to do something great. Where I joined a national gym, where I'm like, bro, I'll be traveling here pretty shortly. Yeah, you know, yeah. just but again, it's that it's that little motivation that you're like look, I'm doing this for myself just in case. And you know, it's a, it gives you that little extra 
oomph. So I, um, yeah, finally, I finally started just betting on myself. I'm like, dude, what do I got to do to make me happy? And, you know, growing my hair out, losing weight, banging pretty ladies. I'm like, dude, all right, this is what makes me happy. Well, if you don't believe in what you're doing and you don't believe in yourself, then how can you expect anyone else to? Exactly. So I don't care what you do for a living or what your goals are, whether it's fitness or financial or career or whatever. If you don't, if you don't believe in what you're doing, there's absolutely no way that you're going to be able to convince anyone else to get behind what you're doing. Because as you know, being on stage, when you don't believe in your own joke, the crowd's not going to, yeah, the crowd's not going to go for it. When they see that you're having a good time on stage, they're going to have a good time. Exactly. And you know, there's, there's times I've wrote jokes that I'm like, man, I, you know, you know, it it, it would, it would get the audience laughing, but I'm like, I, I don't, it's it's an easy joke and you know it, but you're just like, dude, fuck this. I mean, like, you don't want to do it because you're like, you don't want to be that guy that's doing like, oh, I saw that one coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in in trying to constantly, and we can't, obviously, with most of the comedy clubs being closed right now, there's not a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. to do stand up. Um, but you know that doesn't that shouldn't stop you from continuing to work your craft and then you know with a lot of podcasts starting or mm-hmm. writing things like that i mean you know we, there's just ways you got to work around shit and if you if you are not doing everything you can to still try to be the best you can uh, you know what, what what is the point i mean and, and same thing with relationships your job so what you do with it with, with this podcast with like even pl- if you're playing video games dude, mm-hmm. if you're not trying to be the best wh- what are you even fucking doing yeah, I mean, yeah. I definitely think there's things in your life that you don't necessarily have to strive to be the best for, you know, and, the, and those are things that you should be doing while you're relaxing. Those are things that you should be doing to blow off steam. You know, you shouldn't, if you go out and you like fishing or something like that, and that's how you relax, then yeah, maybe you don't strive to be the world's best bass fisherman. You know, that's <laughs> going to create more shows. If you like golf, then don't give a shit about your golf game. Just go have fun with it. Yeah. So, but I think again, when it comes to like your goals and, and you know, whether, like I said earlier, whether it's financial or anything like that, that's, that's when you really need to figure out what you want. And if you're not making goals, then you're selling yourself short. And it's, I don't care if the goals are, um, you know, I want to clean my house every week or I want to lose weight or I want to, um, you know, raise my kids to be the best, whatever. I mean, you have to set goals and I don't care if it's writing them them down or, um, putting them on a piece of paper and putting them in a drawer and looking at them at the end of the year. It, it, it's just really important. And everything I've done as a business owner and being self-employed is, has been goal oriented. And I mean, my, my first year of being self-employed, I made $33,000, you know, and that was a, that was a huge pay cut from what I was used to. And then my second year I made 70 and my third year I made six figures and then the pandemic happened. (laughs) So then I, so everything that I had built, um, and I mean, I was, you know, January, February and the first half of March, I was having, you know, I was, I was up 50% from the previous year when I was making good money. So I was on, I was on pace to have a really, really good 2020. Our, our event business was booming. I was getting hired for consulting gigs and I was getting hired to go speak to corporations on, you know, what I do and Mm -hmm. things like that. And things were, and then it all just kind of came to a halt. (laughs) So when, when that happens though, when you are, when you're building towards something, you're going to hit brick walls, you're going to hit barriers. And I, I mean, I sound like a fucking coach right now, but it's true. You're going to, you're going to hit points where it becomes really, really hard. So you have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to, to take a detour or figure out an alternative route to get to, 
to your goal. And for me, that was, okay, I saw the writing on the wall. There's no way that I'm going to be able to do four or five gigs a week. There's no way that these events with 10,000 people are going to happen. So how am I going to provide for my family in a pandemic world? Well, um, I got into real estate and I started taking my classes online in June. And by September 1st, I had um, my license in the state of Iowa. And then by middle of November, I had my first sale. And from November until February, I'll have almost $2 million closing business where, you know, rule and rule and Mel Foster will put you on their fucking website for that, for doing that in a year. I mean, I'm on pace to do just under 10 million this year. And that's if I continue doing what I'm doing now, is it easy? No. Is it something that I ever thought I'd be involved in? No. Is it something that I, as a kid was like, I can't (laughs) wait to grow up and tuck in my shirt. Like, no, that's just, it's, but I, but what real estate does for me is it just opens a lot more doors so that I can make enough money to do whatever the fuck I want with my events. And if I, you know, now I get to be choosy about which gigs I want to play, you know? So I have a gig at the end of this month. I have two gigs booked in February and I'm excited for them because I don't have to do it to pay my bills. I, yeah. I get to do it. And that's but, the difference. And that's probably going to make it, make those gigs a lot more fun. Absolutely. And you know, knowing you when, um, Obviously, when the pandemic hit, yeah, I knew that you were employed by yourself, and uh, your source of income is having people in front of you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's plain and simple. With pandemic, that shit's not happening. When you were like, "Hey, I'm uh, I'm getting my real estate license," I, I immediately knew. I was like, "Oh, that dude's gonna fucking kill it." <laughs> I just, it's because I know you, and I know how you can talk to people. Mm-hmm. I know you can handle business. I've watched you, um, for a number of years, just how you how you go about and. Uh, I remember this one time. <laughs> I don't know if I want to bring this story up, but I might. It's I guess fuck this guy. We we're doing stand up at the summit, and uh, <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and we're sitting there, and um, you know this uh, this comic introduces uh, introduces you to. Uh, oh, you're, like you're sitting back for this. Well, one. I just I've, I've been leaning forward this yeah, whole time, sorry. so I'm just moving the mic. Yeah. yeah, my bad. Yeah, I, I thought as soon as I set that up on there, I was like, mm, that no, doesn't fine. look comfortable. That's fine. Uh, we were, we were, you know, hanging out, having some drinks after the show. And the summit is, uh, is a place that constantly smells like piss and chicken mm-hmm. wings. Not good. Um, fun fucking times there, but there was a, uh, the guy who was running all the shit and he comes up and introduces you to a girl that he was trying to bang, uh, as he goes, Hey, this is Bobby Ray Bunch, my opener. And you looked right at him and he go, don't ever fucking introduce me as your opener again. You know, and at that point, this guy was the established comic. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do stand-up comedy in Iowa City, you had to go through this guy. Yeah. And here was a young Bobby. Well, you weren't young then. I mean, you were old as fuck. Probably like 25, 25. Yeah, I say you were old. Yeah. I think when me and Devin were like 21. Yeah. <laughs> and to hear you do that, I was like, that dude's got some fucking balls, man. Yeah. Uh, but it, it went with that attitude. And, you know, it's it's not hard to see why six months in, why you were getting gigs. I mean, the way that you handled business is something that, Maybe I should have done now. If I had talent, I probably could have just got gigs on that alone. <laughs> but <laughs> but it was it was the way that you could communicate. You didn't take a lot of shit and you just were like, Hey dude, I'm not I'm not here to fuck around. Like let's do business and we're gonna do business the right way. Yeah, know? I mean it's a comedy is a dog eat dog world and it's a big pissing contest, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously over the years things have changed, but <clears throat> at that point in time, you know, he didn't know me he didn't know who I was as a person. He didn't know who I was as a comic. And I, you know, I had done one gig 
with him out of town where I opened for him, right? Mm -hmm. He'd been doing comedy like three years longer than I had, so whatever. But then him trying to basically discount me as a person and a comic just to impress some girl I wasn't gonna sit there and take you know I mean the fact that I had been doing stand-up for six or seven months and was already starting to surpass him he took that as a threat and so that was his, that was really his only play that he had was to to you know make me look inferior and I don't play that game <laughs> you want to know <laughs> and this is the other part why I didn't want to bring this up uh because do you remember the night that you and that girl had Pretty sure you fucked her that night. <laughs> it's very possible. Because if, if I remember that right, it was, uh, you're like, yeah, <laughs> he came up to us and go, yeah, so-and-so was trying to fucking bury me in front of this girl. I think I'm going to fuck her tonight. Here's my keys. And uh, don't know if it ever happened. That's the myth. That's I the mean, legend. I mean, you know, as a, as a married man, I don't remember I what don't. I don't remember what happened, but uh, it's very possible. We're just, we're just putting it out there, guys. This is speculation. This may or may not have happened. I just, I, I like, if for, for the story... For Bobby Ray Bunch's legend, it happened, but did it really happen? As Bobby's a married man, no, probably not. I, I don't mean, know. I think I mean, he only banged one chick, and that's his wife. Yeah, that's a, that's a, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was, I was a free spirit in Iowa City. <laughs> I would, uh, I would get some uh, very interesting text from you. I remember one morning I woke up and there was a picture with a giant turd in it, and you go, "Hey, I got." Super shit faced. I ate Casey's pizza. I took a shit and I thought of you. Yeah. Okay. Great. And that was a string of for the next about four or five years. I would get just random messages from me. It's out of the blue, like two, three in the morning. Hey, you still fat as fuck? <laughs> yep. And uh, that was it. I get like the thumbs up, and I wouldn't hear from you. For so I don't want to take all the credit for you losing seventy five pounds, but maybe me being super mean to you over the years helped motivate you. Yeah, yeah. I can't, you know what? That's why I'm losing weight. I can't wait till you're just like, God damn, Steve, you're actually doing something. But we have, I mean, you know, our friendship is was built on making fun of each other, and oh, it was yeah. built on giving each other shit. And obviously, it never came from a place of viciousness or hate it was just like that's how we talk to each other yeah and it was um it people who know me know that if i get compliments i don't take that well i'm like someone compliments me I'm like what the fuck like, ugh, what do you <laughs> want from me like i feel like people are like there's ulterior motive and yeah. I, it's just that's how because I, i've been so used to everybody just you know giving me shit and that's it you have to develop a um a sense of humor you know you're mm-hmm. gonna be a fat ugly kid like me Dude, unless you want to like try and fucking hang yourself with like a rope, you know that you found. You think in your you're ugly? Shed. Oh well, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, now I'm at that age where, all right, am I? Am I? I've seen teens, some ugly. You're not an ugly I, person. I, well, so. but in my teens to twenties, I was not a good looking guy. Now that I'm thirty and kind of like losing some weight, now I'm getting older. I'm more fuckable mm-hmm. because okay. I'm like, you know, I'm not. I aged really quickly and I got as soon as I got 30, and then it's like now I'm kind of on that mm-hmm. on that path where now I'm aging where I should be because I always looked older. Uh, but now, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm fuckable. Okay. And I've got that. That's You're like a, an Eldridge seven. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm a, I'm a Parkview 10. Okay. <laughs> you fucking Bettendorf four. Yeah. Uh, nah, dude, I give my, I, I'd give a four and a half star in okay. Bettendorf. It's just, you know, because sometimes a lot of these girls, you know, they, um, they grow up super rich and they got such bad daddy issues. Well, that, the Bettendorf girls want to work. They, they don't want to, they don't want to. Really, they just want to be at home. You know, they don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if you can't provide that, Steve, then don't come to Bettendorf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't want to move into my. <laughs> my <laughs> you don't want to move into 
uh, an apartment where I actually and my blinds need to uh, be mm-hmm. replaced. I actually got those. Well, because a week ago, your buddy Copper there uh, went absolutely bananas, and I come home from work, and I'm like mm-hmm. walking up, and I'm like looking at all three of my blinds. I go, what the fuck? Yeah. I thought I got robbed. I, I come in here, and he's just hanging out, and I'm like, oh. He heard something or saw something that uh, got him got him excited. Yeah, so I just haven't haven't had the chance to make it to Home Depot, you know, start working overtime this week, and yeah. you know what? It's a uh, it's that time of year. Where and I not saying I'm, I'm going through your pain, but as a lot of guys that are out there in the construction world, you know, winter is, dude, this shit is sink or swim. So if you're not out there, you know, going back to being the best you, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if you're not if you're not one of the most reliable guys, one of the, one of the most, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, not like valuable, like you know, you're. He can be used in a lot of different places. I mean, you're going to get laid off, and you know you're going to be struggling to to find work. And if work's not even there because the pandemic's still going on, so mm-hmm. you know I had to take overtime when I could. And I'm like, oh, I'll get those fucking blinds later. And I was like, Hey, you want to come? Uh, let's do a podcast. And I wanted to go meet somewhere. Like, I can meet you at your place. I'm like, Yeah, all right, fuck. <laughs> but dude, it's a uh, it's what it is, man. You know. I uh, I wanted to see how you live, and now it all makes sense. Yeah, I intentionally do this just so I can every day I come home to this and makes me work harder. And you, it, it, you know what? It actually does. It's kind of a fucked up thing. And you know, when I moved into this place, dude, I didn't I didn't expect to ever have anybody over here. You know, I was going to take my you know year to just kind of find me. Okay. And I'm like, I don't really want to be involved in anyone else's life right now. I don't want to have a relationship. I don't want to. That's okay. I just, you know, <clears throat> I wanted to take take this time to do me because I, I started my whole life just kind of got turned upside down with what I used to do and what I do now. And, you know, coming home to this apartment every day and there's always something else like there, none of the fucking roads are plowed. It makes me just like, yeah, you know, you think about it, you're like, I could go to the bar and drink these problems away or I could start putting that money away for a down payment on a house so I can get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, being here has really, really changed my, um, my life. Cause I finally, I finally had to hit, you know, bottom to where I was like, I was always skating by, you know, I was always, I was always, someone was always in my life providing for me or I was living at a buddy's house or I had to move back in my parents. Like this is this shithole as shitty as it is. It's mine. This is everything that I've earned. And I'm like, okay, now we're here. Now it's time to work hard and get the fuck out of here. Sure. So it's it's a nice motivation. So I look at it. I'm like, yeah, it's it's shit. But next year, it, I'm not gonna be here. I'm I'm gonna be in my own place, and it's gonna be a lot different. You know, I've well, you're only thirty. I mean, oh, 31. 31. So, so I mean, I didn't I didn't buy a house until I was 33, 34, 29. I was 34. So I mean, as long as you're not sitting here trying to compare yourself to other people and saying, well, I got to be here because they are, it's what works best for you. And if, and if right now this place is everything you need and it is motivating you to want to become a homeowner, then awesome. But just because Joe Schmo and his buddy have a house at the age of 30 or 31 and you don't doesn't fucking matter, man. That was a, that was a bad, bad thing that I had. And that was, um, going back to, to comedy and shit like that, I'd see guys that were, how are they getting shows, you know, mm-hmm. coming in and how are they still getting shows? And 
oh, I know I'm funnier than them. And that was a bad, bad thing. I, I had a problem with that. But what, when you finally realize, you know, back to what we were originally talking about, it, it's all about you. Like, it doesn't fucking matter what they do because they might not be as happy as you either. You know, mm-hmm. you got to you got to take that in. Yeah, they got a house or they're getting gigs and they, they're married with kids, but they might be the most unhappy motherfuckers on the planet. Absolutely. Like, I wake up every day and I don't, I'm not in a bad mood anymore. Right. And you just, you, you gotta, you gotta bet on yourself. You gotta just figure out what makes you click. And as long as you're happy, it don't fucking matter. The only time I say that people should be looking at what's on other people's plates is when, you know, my dad always taught me at a young age, surround yourself with people that bring you up. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be around people that want to bring you down because that's where it's comfortable. That's where it's easy. But I, at a very early age, and even to this day, I surround myself with people that are more successful than me because that's where I want to be. And therefore, it just motivates me to work harder. It motivates me to be a better person. It motivates me to be a better husband or or whatever. But at the end of the day, if I'm not completely surrounded by people that bring me up, then I'm giving away a part of myself for free and it's wasteful. So it's not about what you have. It's not about anything like that. It's about who you're surrounding yourself with, right? Your sphere, your network, Mm -hmm. whatever. And so I surround myself with successful business owners and I surround myself with, um, people that are very emotionally mature. And I surround myself with people that are happy and don't bitch all the time, (laughs) complain all the time. And, it's everybody else's fault, and and uh, it's done wonders for me. Yeah, I was I was very much that guy, and I'm surprised that I have have had the friends long enough that I've um, had just being who I was, you know. Especially you, <coughs> you know. It's like I for the longest time I just I'm like, why is this not working out for me? Why is this not working out for me? Um, relationships failed, and you know that surrounding yourself with people who are bringing you up is, is one of the biggest things that you can do. Now that's not saying that if you got somebody who's, you know, not a, uh, not the greatest person, it's like, dude, you can still maybe bring them up. Like maybe you're good for them. That's probably what you did for me. Or like maybe I, they have a <clears throat> quality that you admire. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying, you know, just get rid of people because they're, they're not good for you. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, when you, when you move into that realm of, um, you know, yeah, if, if, if I go into a, a spot and I'm hanging out with guys and they're like, oh, you know, I, I own all this real estate or, you know, I do this, um, <clears throat> you know, you want to be able to be with those guys because it, it's always good to have healthy competition too. like, you know, and not that comparing yourself, but like, yeah, if you're like, I, I want to be with those guys and you know that if you, if you're like, oh, that guy has two rental properties, well, let me get three. And you know that that healthy competition, you're just going to keep growing yourself and growing your assets and growing more to where you're like, all right, now I'm competing with the big boys. And it's it, it's that drive that everybody needs that. I, I think a lot of people lack drive, too. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's hard, right? I mean, yeah. it, it involves effort and it involves the unknown <clears throat> and it involves not being comfortable. But, you know, one of my motivating factors for for my future is you know my dad like i said he was he owned his own business and he made a lot of money um running his own business but his problem was he never invested in his future he he didn't believe in 
uh, 401ks or IRAs or anything mm. like that. And you know, you know, you want to talk about a conspiracy theorist. Like <laughs> he, he truly believed that the liberals would take all his money. Right. Um, not completely wrong, I guess, but, yeah, uh, I was like, but he truly believed that he, if he set up a 401k or if he set up an IRA that, um, it wouldn't be there when he retired. And now he's all, you know, almost 65 and he's going to have to work until the day he dies. And there is no way around it. He blew all his money. He made a lot of really bad financial decisions and, and he's fucked. And I, I will, I will definitely mimic my dad's work ethic. And I will definitely take what he taught me as being like, Hey, nobody's ever going to hand you anything. And, and if you want something, you got to work for it Mm. and you don't need anyone's approval to be great. I will take that and run with it. But I, I definitely will not follow in his footsteps when it comes to investing in in my future. And, and, you know, I personally feel like I'm still way behind on, on all that stuff, but it's definitely over the last couple of years, something that I've really put a lot of time and effort into. And I'm, I'm a financial idiot. You know, I was my, my dad, the only financial stuff that he taught me that really was true is, is, you know, make sure you have a good credit score. And I've always had a good credit score and great, you know, that's nice, but it would have been nice to have learned some other things about finances, (laughs) but that's look, I'm still, you know, I'm only 35. I can still learn a lot of that stuff. And, um, and again, it's, I surround myself with people that are experts. You know, my, uh, I have a great accountant who I finally just handed off all my shit to, and you know, I'm going to pay a little bit more, but I don't have time or the expertise to make sure that I'm handling my finances in, in the best way or accounting stuff. And then I have a financial advisor that, you know, we, we really have some, some big goals as far as investing and things like that. But I'm the type of person where I, if I hire an expert, I want it off my plate. Yeah. I don't want them calling me, asking me, can we do that? Like, just do it. If, you know, I tell people that I hire for, for, you know, for my, my life and my businesses, like if you were me, what would you, what would be best? You know, like mm-hmm. put yourself in my shoes and, and if, and if they can't answer that, then they're not the right person for me to hire. Exactly. And if you're paying somebody and they got all these fucking questions asked, it's like, well, why did I hire you? Yeah. Like, you gotta, I mean, your time is valuable, right? Like you, you should know what your time is worth. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I don't care if you work at McDonald's, I don't care if you work as a flight attendant, whatever, or if you're a millionaire, your there is a dollar amount on what your time is worth. And you should know that. And it's going to, it'll change. It'll go up. It'll go down. But at the end of the day, you should know what your time is worth because that is, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm just so full of cliches today, but like, you can't buy that back. You no. don't get that back. And so I'd rather pay somebody to get some of my time back. Yeah. It, and it helps. And you know, for, for me, I'm a single dude, you know, I don't, I don't have a whole, I don't got kids, you know, I, I got this dog, but you know, now I'm trying to figure doing this, um, working my podcast in, um, and working out one of the most helpful things that I, I do is maximizing your minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, it's like, okay, now I got to go drive 10, 15 minutes to the gym, right. And 10, 15 minutes back, that's a half hour I lost, right. Mm-hmm. Just in travel time. So if I'm be at the gym, I'm like, I, I got to get the most workout in, in the most efficient time. Yeah. But I like to take my time there too. So, but if you listen to a podcast, that's 
helping you better yourself on the way there on the way home, then you're really not losing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're really not. And those, those drive times are very, very important to me. Like I, um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I relax. So it's not a bad thing, but you know, I've, I've had to set myself up where, um, you know, being busy has made me very happy. And if, if anybody takes anything away from this, it's just, Dude, just do the work. Because the only thing about working hard is it's just it's just hard. I mean, that's it. That that's the that's the only thing about hard work is it's just hard. Once you can get past that, it's fine. But you know, I've know that throughout the week. Okay, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I, I I'm don't ask me to do anything because mm-hmm. I'll be at the gym, and by the time I get home, it's about seven or eight, and you need that time to wind down you know even if you go work even if that relaxes you still need that mm-hmm. that time at home you know yeah. and if i'm if i'm meal prepping or, or whatever it's just or just sitting on your couch and playing video games yeah right like which yeah and i i strive for those days i used to do that every day when i got off of work yeah i i now i'm like all right i'm dedicating friday to the boys you, you know and then yeah. I, get, I get online and no one's playing i'm like all right fuck this yeah. <laughs> just go beat off and go to bed <laughs> yeah but it's yeah man uh, it, I've had a I've had a big lifestyle change and it's it's for the better. You know, there's a, so many comics and you and I both know them that these guys never did anything else with their fucking life, dude. They're still you know doing the same job that they were. They, they never strive for more. Like if you're still in the same position, this is just me. If you're still in the same position that you were five years ago, I mean, there's there's a couple of things that you know you can let that go to the wayside. But um, you know, if you if you're a you know, if you're a cook and you haven't made your way up to manager, you know, what are you doing? Like, were you ever working that hard or were you just comfortable where you're at? And if you were comfortable where you're at, that's fine. I just, I, I'd always want to strive for more. I mean, I do. I strive for more every day. Yeah. I mean, not everyone's wired that way. I mean, I used to sell water treatment chemicals for big industrial plants and things like that. And I remember I had one of my clients was the Del Monte plant in Mendota, Illinois, right? Mm, you know, yes. all the canned green beans and peas and corn and all that shit, right? Is that the mushroom one? Uh, they might make, but you I know, think... Del Monte, whatever. The, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this is a factory and I remember, uh, I had to take a piss and I go, <clears throat> I had to go through their break room and on the table was this big sheet cake that said like, you know, congratulations, Dave, on 40 years. And I just was like, man, this dude worked <laughs> in a factory on a line for 40 years. I mean, there is a cap. There is only so much you can make an hour uh, unless you start wearing a suit and tie and you go corporate with that company. But mm-hmm. this guy worked on the line for 40 years, and that's what he wanted to do. That was his life. He, he may have been the happiest person in that town. He may have been the unhappiest. I don't know. But... Just me personally, I could never imagine. Oh fuck no! <laughs> spending forty years in the same place every single day with no, with a ceiling over me. Right? There's nowhere to grow. There's mm-hmm. no. There's nowhere to expand. There's yes, you can become the best guy on the line at this Del Monte plant, but there's a ceiling, like I said. And so the way I'm wired is that wouldn't work for me. Right? I've got to be in an environment where there's. Uh, endless growth opportunities. And and that's why sales has always been my thing because mm-hmm. you can make as much money as you want, or you can make as little as you want. You can, you can do the bare minimum, you know, you can only wear the 15 pieces of flair and, <laughs> and still have a great smile. But, uh, for me personally, I mean, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be, to be great. And it's not always about how much you make, right? It's not, it really isn't. It's about 
to me, it's just about, am I achieving my goals? And, and one of my biggest accomplishments is just the network that I've built. Right. So, you know, people in my life that have known me a long time, kind of give me shit. They're like, man, you've been hustling since you were 12 years old. (laughs) And they're right. I mean, my earliest memory of sales was I was, uh, I think I was 12 years old and, uh, summer before seventh grade. And, I rode my bike down two miles to there is like this uh, driving range slash mini golf course slash go kart place down on Valley Drive. Right now, there's a concrete plant there, but oh, okay, okay. So I would ride my bike down there, and I made a deal with the guy that if I go in the cornfield with a five gallon bucket and fill it with golf balls, then I get to ride the go karts for free. And so you know, twice a week I'd go down there and fill up a five gallon bucket of golf balls and I would get to ride the go-karts for 15, 20 minutes. And I had a great time. Well, built a relationship with the guy, built some rapport where he trusted me. And so now I kind of start doing odds, odd tasks here and there. And so I had access to their garage and their shed. And I remember I was about to go to a Christian Bible camp out in Colorado called camp Eagle Lake or something like that. Right. And it was like, my dad like raised us very Christian and I was mm. going to go with another family and we we're going to drive out to Colorado and I was going to spend a week at this fucking Christian camp. Right. So I'm in this, I'm at this go-kart place. I'm in the garage and I see this guy has like a, a playboy calendar on the wall. You know, every month is a different mm-hmm. set of tits. Right. And I'm like, man, I bet I could steal that calendar and then sell each month to somebody at this Christian camp. Right? Oh, that's We're all 12. 13. <laughs> and so I stuck the calendar down back of my pants, rode my bike home, put it in my suitcase. We take off the next day and we get to, to Bible camp and I sold 12 months of tits for five bucks a pop. Now I made 60 bucks and uh, there's like a little shop at the camp where you can go buy candy and food. And I'm fucking just raw. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like king of this camp, dude, just fucking wheeling and dealing. Now I've got currency. Now I've got all this candy and I'm getting people to make my bed. I'm like, I'm running a prison over here. Yeah, Jesus. (laughs) And I got caught and, uh, they, uh, you know, where'd you get all this money? And people told on me and, um, then I had to like repent or whatever and wasn't ever allowed back at the camp, but I uh, made some sales. Hey, you know what, dude? I love that you build an empire at a Christian camp off <laughs> smut. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a uh, that is a federal fence taking pornography across state lines. Yeah. So, dude, you were a bad boy back then. I was, 12 years yeah. old. How, yeah. how much do you think you cleared? 60 bucks. 60 bucks. God damn. Yeah. Which, in, as a, to a 12-year-old, is a lot of money. It's a fucking lot of money I for me. I think I was getting like five bucks a week allowance or something. So I just, you know, I made pretty much a whole quarter of allowance <laughs> in a day. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> but that's what I've always done. You know, I've, I've, I've always promoted myself and it's, I've, I feel like I've done it the right way. I've done it organically. Like I don't shove it. I try not to shove it in people's faces of, Hey, look at me. I do this. And I, mm-hmm. do that. I mean, I can sometimes, but for the most part, anything that I've done for a living, I want, I want to be the first one people think of. Right. So when, when you're trying to hire somebody for your company Christmas party, I want to be the first person you think of when you're, yeah. when you're selling your house or you need to find a house. I want to be the first person you think of when you're, uh, when your company needs help planning an event. I want to be that guy that you think of. And, and I've done a good job of positioning myself to, to be successful with that. And I haven't done it alone. I've had, I've had a ton of people, you know, a ton of people help me with that stuff. Yeah. And you've got a, uh, you got an awesome support system at home. Your mm-hmm. wife is uh your wife is a fantastic human being. Yeah. I love her to death. And I remember when you guys first started dating and I met her, I was like, Oh dude, this, this girl is just absolutely perfect for Bobby. And 
you know, you guys, every time I get to go hang out with you guys, it's, <laughs> it's one of the most, uh, I don't think, you know, whenever I go over to your house, there's always some story that happens, <laughs> and it's always a great one. Um, I do want to tell this one because this is just a fantastic story, and I, I think the past couple times we've seen each other, we've talked about it. Um, one of your other events that we didn't talk about was Shops with Hops. Yeah. This is one of my favorite events, and I, I'm surprised that a lot of people haven't stole this idea. <laughs> And well, it's rip. not an original idea. I mean, the, the the concept of it is kind of original, but I actually stole the idea from somebody else. Oh, well, okay. It was, there was a there was an event in Leclerc called Wine Hop, and they, ah. you know, they would set up somebody to pour wine in all these shops, and I was like, well, I don't really like their clientele. Like, it's a bunch of stay at home moms that if they have one glass of wine, they just turn into the worst person ever. You <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. and so I was like, I would rather go after the beer connoisseurs. And so I put breweries in shops, you know, and then I would cap the number so we could actually have a good experience because mm. most beer events I went to, it's like, how many people can we cram into this room? And then you're standing in line for 20 minutes to get a, a one ounce or two ounce sample of beer, you know, yeah. and I hated that. I wanted to talk about the beer with the brewer, ma- brewmasters and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, um, your dog does not like being in there. No, he does not. I, I just hurt him. He was okay for a little bit and he'd be fine. Yeah, he, uh, he doesn't. Nobody puts doggy in the room. Yeah, uh, the last one that you did, uh, it was so. This was August mm-hmm. of 2020. Yeah, we rescheduled it because of the pandemic, and then we, you know, we were able we slashed ticket sales in half. So mm-hmm. the way we looked at it was, we weren't doing a mass gathering of people. We were spreading out 150 people into 12 different shops, right? Yeah, and everybody was taking you know all the precautions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything was getting. Obviously, it's it's a little bit more difficult to, you know, socially distance or keep social distance, maintain social mm-hmm. distancing. I hate saying that, <laughs> but nobody got sick, so it was it was yeah. fine. I remember getting a uh, getting a call from you, and you're like, "Hey, can you come pour some beer for yeah. us?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely," um, because I knew it, I was wanting to go to the event, but being being a part of it was going to be even better. Uh, and I got to pour beer for Hazelic Brewing. Yeah. Which I man, I, I was at I was at Armor Gardens last night and they had Hazelig had a beer, but I I got two instead and I was like shit, we gotta go. It, yeah. got, it was on the on the list, but I had a Oreo beer, which was uh, fantastic. Okay. Um but yeah, you were like, Hey, we're gonna set you up here and you set me up in one of the funnest places to be it was uh Crane yeah. and Pelican. Yeah. Uh, which if you're in the Quad City area and you wanna go eat at one it's of the phenomenal. coolest fucking places on the planet and Shit, why am I spacing on her name? Mandy. Uh, Mandy. Yeah. Mandy was is the coolest person on the planet. She's hell great. of a chef. Yep. Hell of a chef. She uh she was bringing some food samples out. But, you know, the the way that this is set up and Leclerc is the perfect town for this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're if you haven't been there or you know, you're you're trying to get an idea of what it is. So Leclerc has this downtown where there's all these shops. Um, and they're all connected and there's, you know, antique shops, there's mm-hmm. high end boutiques, there's restaurants, a couple of, there's a brewery down there, mm-hmm. a distillery. And so you just get to walk to all these places and, you know, you get to find all these knickknacks, um, candy, chocolate. Yeah. It's a, it's a great experience. But that's, what's great is the, you know, not to like classify, but it's typically the people buying tickets are guys, right? Yeah. But then their wife wants a ticket because they're like, well, I want to drink beer while I shop. Hmm. And I get to go to 12 different stores and 
drank and 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 it's great because they're spending money in these stores too you know yeah that's what i love about it absolutely my um my favorite store and i I always forget the name of it it's the one with all the beer signs back there oh aunt hattie's aunt hattie's yeah Yeah, i I was gonna call it hattie mays but aunt hattie's is it's one of those very eclectic stores Mm -hmm. you know you're in there drinking beer and you know you get the sampling and what were the guys that were in there last year. Pilot Brewing Supply. Pilot, that's yeah. okay. So that's who that was. And what's nice about these when you're going to these cool stores, but also now you're getting a feel for what these other companies are bringing. And, um, you know, you get to make friends along the way, like Adventurous Brewing. Yeah. Um, the, the people there. And, um, you know what? I, the way I explain Adventurous Brewing to people is like, you know, when you are doing stand up and you're at an open mic or at a showcase or whatever, and, that one comic goes on stage. You like, you don't go outside. Like you're like, I'm going to go watch that. Yes. Guy. Yeah. That's a comics comic. Right. That's what adventurous is to the brewing community. It, like these breweries drop what they're doing. Hey, can you watch my booth while I go try this guy's beer? Yes. Um, I remember, <laughs> uh, I remember when you, when I finally got relieved and I was able to go and try it, you know, I had to scurry through and, you know, I got to go see the guys at contrary. Yeah. You know, they're there. I wanted to try everyone, but I also wanted to go say hi to all the boys that, you know, just mm-hmm. I've met through essentially you. That's how I knew about contrary was you were playing yeah. a show down there and I'll be back February 14th. I will fucking be there. I promise I'll be there. <laughs> um, funny enough, I got barbecue there last February 14th mm-hmm. uh, at skinnies. So, go. and I wanted to make that happen again where, Every Valentine's Day, I go down and get barbecued by myself. There you go. Um, Gotta love yourself. I do. I love myself a lot. <laughs> um, adventurous, though. It was... Uh, again, I'm spacing on his name. Chris Trollstad. So Chris. And the company I work for, we built the brew tanks for him. And, sure. and Keith was just... Everybody's like, oh, Chris is a great dude. I remember talking to him and trying his beer. And I'm like, dude, do you have the weirdest beer selection on the planet there's like a bubblegum one and i'm like yeah all right that's yeah, super popular it was so weird but i tried it i'm like man i got I, like, can i get another one of those mm-hmm. he's like yeah we're getting close to close here um the pictures that i saw from the after party i was sitting next to him oh really i that's funny don't remember talking to him but <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember like the snapchat we sent like we were both laughing mm-hmm. hysterically at something i can't remember what it was that's funny which we're we're, we're gonna get to a fun story that me and you had after but yeah um to see what those guys started doing you know just from okay i remember them from bobby's event and all of a sudden they've got the crossing streams Mm -hmm. they're just everywhere all of a sudden you know up in like des moines they're getting put on taps yeah people and you drive past where they're at you're like dude these guys need to be in a huge place they're in a little small the next to a tobacco Mm -hmm. warehouse dude it's gotta start somewhere you know i mean the guy was in his garage so he's already you know making progress (laughs) yeah There was um there was another brewery that was uh those guys are out of their garage. I don't know if they ever moved into their um what nerd speak? Nerd speak. Yeah, so they're uh they're gonna open up in uh Pleasant Valley across from that uh BP down there. They've got uh they've got oh. their own brewery going in down there. No shit. That's... I think it's gonna be open next month, if not March. No shit. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be huge. Mm-hmm. And it's dude, it's it's events like that that you know you get to go see where the see yeah. where the progress well, is the and whole it's, yeah the whole point of the event is not only to bring people to town to go shopping but it's also to showcase these breweries and you know adventurous already had a pretty good name for itself 
NerdSpeak was pretty new, but they got a chance to get their beer out to a lot of people. And even if you weren't at the event, you probably saw us advertising them, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And the, uh, another thing about the beer community, and this is why I've, I've wanted to come back to drinking, you know, we, I, I was drinking a bikini bottom five or uh, five cities, bikini bottom. They, uh, when the whole pandemic happened, a lot of these places were just uh, shit, shit hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of breweries started taking out like front street and everybody. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, when the flood happened, they were all, you know, they were like, hey, w- we can take some of your workers and get them hours. Like, the community came together. Yeah. And it's so refreshing to not see. It's like, it's not cutthroat. It's not no, it's a friend. It's-, it's a friendly competition between all the breweries. Um, you know, I've performed at a lot of the breweries. I book music for one of the breweries. I obviously do the shops with hops events. So I, I know a lot of the the brewers, especially, you know, kind of all over the state of Iowa. And, and, and I've had, you know, very intimate drunken conversations with these people <laughs> and there is no ill will in that community. Whereas if you get a bunch of comics drunk, it's going to take five minutes before they start saying, well, I fucking hate this guy or she's not funny or uh-huh. he's black, whatever, you know? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some of those out there. Are there any black comics in the quad cities? Uh, yeah. And then there's a lot of people that get mad because they're like, Oh, he's just, you know, I'm like, he's, he's doing urban comedy. Yeah. It's like, who's, who's a black <clears throat> comic in the quad cities? What Calvin Reed. He's not a comic. <laughs> Cal Reed's not a comic. <laughs> you don't like Calvin. I didn't say I didn't like him. I yeah. just said he's not a comic. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, me, you're not black. Uh, I got a black attitude. I watched Malcolm X the other night. That's true. So I'm, I'm basically there. Yeah, um, there, there isn't a whole lot. There are. I, I remember seeing this one dude. He came well, up. Well, let did, me take that back. What What is the what defines whether you're a comic or not? Uh, Do you have to have been paid for it? Do you have to have uh, done a comedy club or uh, anything like that. Like what, what constitutes whether or not you're a comedian? I always kind of wondered that, you know, cause if you get up there on stage and do it once, cause I feel really pretentious that I just basically labeled Cal, like whether or not, like I don't get to decide that, right. That's not for me to decide whether or not he's a comic. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like there's just, you kind of fall into it where if enough, enough of like the people who get up on stage consider you a comic that I think you're in. Yeah. Like it I could think, be public perception. Yeah. I think people would consider me a comic, but I'm like, dude, I've, I've been paid to do it. Uh, I could probably count on two hands how many times I've done it. Sure. You know, I do it just because I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are people who are like, yeah, Steve's a comic. Yeah. Uh, but am, am I a, com- am I a comedian? I haven't done comic. I haven't done stand up in almost a year. See, but you could come back to it and do it. Oh, and you've, you've done it for a while. Sure. Um, but you know, I think you move past that to an entertainer, yeah. Which which isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. Comedy um, comes into play while I'm you know doing music gigs and MC work and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I mean, shit, it comes into play in real estate. Yeah. Do you I, play? Have you ever played songs to sell a house? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But it's funny. I do have like uh, a lot of my clients that I've helped find houses. They're like, we want you to come back this summer and sit on our deck and we'll pay you to play. I'm like, okay, Fuck, all right. You know, and I just, the, the house I closed on or not closed on the house. I got 
for my buyers yesterday is actually in my neighborhood. Oh, no shit. And so, uh, you know, and these buyers, I, man, they were like my first clients I ever started working with. And we have been through thick and thin, you know, we've, we've been under contract and had to walk away. We've uh, lost out in competitive offer situations. We've, I, I bet, I bet I've shown them over 25 houses Oof. and, uh, and then I saw the one in my neighborhood was up for sale and I sent it to them and, um, then they walked through it twice. And, uh, then we were in a competitive offer situation yesterday and I just wrote a really sexy offer. Hey, and we won. All right. So you got that, got that listing out of the way. I do want to talk about a story that going back to shops with hops that this is uh this is one of the stories that if anybody's like, well, you know, you know, Bobby Gary Bunch, I'm like, well, I got a fucking story for you. <laughs> so after, uh, after the shops with hops, we go to the after party and it's at green tree, which dude, I, I love green tree so much, but I always just, I'm like, Oh, I have that all the time. And I never get their beer anywhere else except when, uh, when events were going on at like the, I, uh, tax slayer center. Yeah. I wireless the mark. Yeah. They've got their own brewery up there. Yeah. Um, great place. They've got great beer and the after party was just, it was just such a fun time. Yeah. And we're getting, we're getting fucked up. Well, it doesn't take many of their beers to do that. No, I think I got three beers in it. I was walking around with a green beer. People are like, where'd you get that? I'm like in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, anyway, my truck was parked and you go, Hey, we're going to go to Crawford brew works. You're fucking hammered. You might as well just stay at my place. Yeah. Okay. No big deal. Um, I remember you telling me that, and there is a picture of me and you together. And that's about the last thing I remember (laughs) (laughs) for, for a good long while. We get to brew works and this guy's playing. Yeah. Sean Kessler. <laughs> and next thing I know, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's good. And I'm like, damn, dude, this dude sounds like fucking Bobby. And I turn around and there's you I was playing some songs. Yeah. <laughs> you got up there and you're like, yeah. And Crawford's, uh, I've, I've seen you play there a couple times. Uh, their back patio is absolutely perfect for right. it. Cause it like, it shoots out like a, like a triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're having a good time there. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I'm about, I'm borderline blackout drunk. Yeah. And when you drink craft beer that long, it's 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. It's a long <laughs> game too. Yeah. Yeah. It'll catch up with you. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, Hey, we're going back to my place. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. Waiting on the Uber and it's a pandemic. Uber ain't fucking coming. Mm-mm. So you go, Hey, we got to walk. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like two miles. Is it two miles? Is yeah. it only two miles? Yeah. As the crow flies two miles, because <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I would say just a touch over two miles, but it is two. It's two miles, yeah. So we uh, we catch the fucking shoelace express, yeah. and we start going. Uh, your wife takes off running. Yeah, she was uh, shit faced too, and uh, she wanted to race us home because she thought we were going to be running too. And I am in jeans and cowboy boots. Yeah, and I am overweight. Well, I thought we could take a shortcut <laughs> so, that didn't work out so well so as we're walking uh you know we uh we start kind of going through neighborhoods you know not like anything bad you know we're walking down these streets and we're getting here and you're like hey there's a shortcut right here it's a golf course yeah I'm like all right yeah fuck yeah let's do it because it was supposed to spit us out right by my house yeah that that, that that was the original plan yeah. you told me and you're like hey dude 100 percent, this is not gonna fail we got this i'm like all right and 
I remember getting about halfway through the golf course. I'm like looking down. I see like a golf ball. I'm like picking them up. I go, fuck yeah, dude. And you're like, what are you doing? Hurry up. I'm like, dude, I'm getting these golf balls. You go, we're on the driving range, you idiot. <laughs> Look at the whole fucking range yeah. balls. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I was fucked up. Well, we get to a we get to a point where, man, I'm you know I had been standing all day, and I know you had been running around all day. Yeah. It was hot. We were yeah. drained. We we're fucking piss hammered. Yeah, it was like the end of August. Yeah, it was it was hot. Like I'm drenched in sweat. Yeah. Mm. And then we get to the creek. Oh man. Oh fuck, dude, that was the most heartbreaking thing. I've I ever didn't seen realize. Like I just I knew a creek ran through the golf course, but I didn't realize that what, as it came through the golf course, the banks were twelve feet high. Yeah. And the water was that deep, and I'm like. Man, I was getting ready to take my boots off and roll yeah. my fucking shit up. And- so we had to go all the way around it and <laughs> we ended up making it, but it was a long trek. And, uh, you know, but I had hit that point where I was pretty drunk and, uh, I knew I was close enough to home. And I also knew like my luck, if I was like, Oh, I'm only two miles from home, I'll be fine. That's when I get pulled over and, and would get a DUI. Yeah. I don't need that in my life anymore. You know? So, yeah. so I just walked and, uh, it, it sucked, but we, now we have a good story. So. Yeah. And I got there by the time I got back to, I was, I sobered up because I had sweat everything. Yeah. Out. I told you to get in the shower yeah. and I had some clothes for you, and, which yeah. is funny. You gave me this, uh, five city shirt and I, I, I put it on. I was like, I'll give this back to you. Like, just keep it. Yeah. I don't need <laughs> and, it back. You know, it's funny. I can I, I kept that shirt and you have in your basement, you have like a guest bedroom Mm -hmm. and it is one of the most comfortable things. Like it's like you're going to an Airbnb. You're like, all right, here's Roku on the TV. There's a a dish full of candy. Here's some water, beer. Well, so my wife used to basically run an Airbnb in LeClaire, you know, so Mm. she kind of sets it up that way. And, and, uh, my wife is a, is a very gracious hostess. And, um, so she just wants people to be, I mean, she has the Wi-Fi password on the nightstand. Oh, She's yeah. got, you know, here's how you work the remote. We've got Netflix and Hulu, all the shit you want to watch. Um, close the blinds. If you, there's a bathroom, you know, it's so we, we definitely like hosting. We, we want people to be comfortable and make them feel at home. So she does a great job of that. Oh, fantastic job. That was a great night of sleep. And the funny thing is I, I kept that shirt and I was going to, wear it today but i gotta i gotta dig it out i got a ton of laundry i gotta <laughs> yeah. do um but i put that because it's a large you know so it fits you mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the only shit i had for the next day like i had that on i went to fucking casey's in the morning after he dropped me off yep i'm just like fat as shit in the shirt but i put that shirt on every once in a while and it fits a little better there you each go. time i don't yep. know if i'm just stretching it out or it's fucking it's uh, working it, it Thank is you five cities. Yeah. Thanks. It, <laughs> dude, there's a picture I got to show you. It's a, uh, in the five cities bathroom. I go, Hey Bobby, look, that looks just like, uh, the shirt that we used to, that we both own together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great fucking place. And I, I, they're, they're going to be the reason why I fit into that shirt. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's that motivation. It, it's, you know, it goes back to you surrounding yourself with, um, with people who are better in themselves. Well, if you surround yourself with skinny people, yeah, either you're going to get called fat enough to redo something about yeah. it, or you, know, you actually have that, that little extra, extra oomph. Yeah. I mean, but. you got to find what works for you, you know, and, and at, at the end of the day, you got to be happy, you know? So if, if getting up at four 30 in the morning, every single day, like Jocko Wilnick, if that's what makes you happy, then do it. But if that's not what works for you and that's not what is going to set you up for success, then find out what, what does work for you. I know for me personally, like, before I got into real estate, like it was really tough for me to get up before 9am because I was working basically nights, you know, yeah. and my sleep schedule was 
going to bed at one or two in the morning and getting up at 10 and going on with my day. And now it's like, so at, at that point in my life, if I were trying to, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym at six in the morning, I would have failed immediately. And I did, I would fail all the time. So now that I'm on a diff, little bit different of a sleep schedule and I'm getting up around seven 30 on average, you know, mm. now it's like, okay, two days a week, I can be at the gym at 7am. I can commit to that. And yeah. then Saturday I can go whenever I want. So that's, what's working for me where I have to get the workout done immediately. Right. Otherwise my day gets out of hand and uh-huh. you know, my day changes so much and then I put it off and then I don't do it. So in order to stick with it, I just have to set aside Look, motherfucker, if you can't get up two days a week at six <laughs> thirty, my right. gym is my gym is a half mile from my house. Just go do it. Go knock it out. And every time I get feeling lazy or whatever, and I don't want to work out, I always just tell my I've never regretted working out. I've yeah. never regretted a workout. So just go do it. I've seen Rogan say that a couple times. He's like, I didn't want to work out, but I did it, and I feel better. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, for me, I'd love to get up and go do that you know, go, go hit the gym in the morning. But a lot of times with my work schedule, you know, again, like last week they go, all right, well, we're starting at six. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, do I really want to wake up another extra hour early? You know, because I, I, I don't, I don't sleep a lot. You know, a lot of, is it the apnea? It probably is. <laughs> could you, could you imagine if I, if I was like with like a super old rich lady, you know, she, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Like I die in my sleep about a hundred times. She's only got to die in her sleep once yep. and I'm set for life. Yep. <laughs> no, um, it, that's, that's part of it. I, I do have sleep apnea. Um, but I could just tell by looking at you that yeah. you <laughs> You would figure with this giant fucking nose, I'd be taking in like air, like, like a fucking blue whale. Like when yeah. they suck up all the fucking fish, but I, I just, um, I, I, I don't sleep. I, I get an average about, five hours of sleep a night. That's just how I've been for the past five or six years. But you know, with my work schedule constantly changing, I mean, yeah, they could be like, Hey, we need you to be an hour and a half away at six in the morning too. So that's why I always go in the afternoon and it, I I would love to, you know, that's the only time I'd love like an office job where I start at nine to five to where I know that, you know, I'd keep this schedule where I'm up at four 30 every morning Mm -hmm go knock that out, you know, have some coffee, get my shit done and then, then go into work. Cause I, I think that'd be a more productive day. Um, for me, especially, you know, just what, what I'm doing now, if I could start work at nine o'clock, the amount of shit I'd get done for about the first week until I finally start waking up at eight o'clock the next, but it's, man, so it's all about how bad do you want it? And you know, if I want to do something that bad, you know, I just have to do it. Yeah. There's I mean, nothing to it. I'm not, I really don't want to preach about discipline because I'm not great with it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've tried to do in my life that I've quit after a week and I, you know, I'm, I've quit a lot of things. And, uh, so, you know, you and I were talking, I'm doing dry January or mm-hmm. whatever. And my wife does it every single year and she has no problem sticking with it. It's not a problem for her. Well, in the past, it's something I've tried and I'd be done by the fifth or I'd be done by the sixth, you know, because I, I have gigs and yeah. you know, it's really tough for me to per- do a live performance without having a beer. It's just the way it is, you know, it's the lifestyle. And, um, so I knew this year I don't have any gigs in January. Well, now I do. I have one at the end of the month, but I don't have any gigs in January. So I don't really have an excuse to be like, well, I was playing a gig tonight, you know, had to have a beer and mm-hmm. I've already been in multiple situations this month where I really would have liked to have had a beer. Um, but 
now I'm like halfway done. And so now I just want to prove to myself that I can go 30 days without drinking. It, it will get a little bit easier, especially not having gigs, but dude, I did stand up sober and that, that sucks. And that's, it's, I, I didn't do well because I, um, there was only like two jokes. The two jokes that I actually really wanted to work on, um, did well mm-hmm. but i just i wanted to just get up there just to be up there i mean i i didn't care if i was gonna bomb or not i'm like dude i just need to get up here but again mm-hmm. i kind of not saying that was a wasted opportunity but the nice thing was i got to soak it all in is so for me man i'm like hey you know this might not be you know my uh my wrestlemania sure or anything like that but i'm like dude i get to be up here i get to enjoy it could be so, your thursday night thunder like, oh my god <laughs> I think you're the only person that remembers Thursday Night Thunder. Yeah, that was a that was great. Were you a WCW kid? I think so. I mean, I was kind of both. Like mm-hmm. when I mean, I was really into wrestling and when I was like five, and then I got back into it when I was in you know junior high. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, I watched WCW and a little bit of WWF. But like, I was really big into Sting and Goldberg and oh, yeah. uh, the, the Rock and. Uh, well, I mean, who else did I like? Ray Mysterio Jr. Loved him. Ray Mysterio's great. Um, I've seen him live once. Who else did I really like? Well, I mean, I I liked the Giant at the time. You know? um, <laughs> yeah, the big became the big show, and uh, I liked. I mean, I hate to say his name, but I liked Chris Benoit. I mean, I liked <laughs> the Canadian Crippler. Uh, just some about him, but uh, you know. He, he was and great. Then he ended up killing his whole family. So yeah, I mean, he was <laughs> yeah. that whole little thing. Um, have you seen any of the, the Dark Side of the Rings? No, uh, the Vice documentaries, dude. They're fucking. I watched Beyond the Mat, that documentary they did, yeah. where it shows Jake the Snake at like his rock bottom. Um, I listened to Diamond Dallas. I like DDP a lot. I, I listened to his podcast uh, episode with Joe Rogan, and he talks about his. DDP yoga and how mm-hmm. he's changed people's lives. It's changed his life. Jake the um, snakes and Scott Halls. Yeah. Yeah. You know and I mean? It's <laughs> I, the, the thing about wrestling that I connected with was those guys are road dogs, you know, and, yeah. and unless you're triple H or, you know, I'm obviously dating myself. I don't know who the fuck's famous now, but unless you're like Hulk Hogan, triple H, like these marquee names, you're, packing your shit into a Honda Accord and you're driving across the country to go mm-hmm. do these $500 gigs. Oh, fuck, $500 is a lot. Um, but was, you know what I mean? There's yeah. no guarantees in their business. They don't get fucking health insurance. They don't get uh, benefits. They don't get any. They're, they're, contra- they're 1099 employees, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And they're sacrificing their body because that's what they want to do for a living. And they think, hey, I'm going to make it. All I need is one shot i need i need this monday night raw i need this match to go my way or whatever it is you know i need my character to become the guy and and it happens i mean but i relate to that from a comedy standpoint because you know i was a road guy and you know i was doing a lot of feature work on the road and things like that and and i truly believed that it just i needed one gig for somebody to see me and i would have made it yeah and I became friends with Carson Wentz's parents because of comedy. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was doing a gig in Bismarck, North Dakota, and uh, about 
350 people. I, I just had one of those sets. I just did really, I mean, they were laughing at setups, you know, <laughs> Dude, that's how you I know just, that I just had them, you know, I had, yeah. them. it was great. Had him in the palm of my hand. And after the show, uh, this guy comes up to me and he's like, man, he's like, I really enjoyed your show. He's like, what are you up to? Now I go, I don't know. He's like, do you like karaoke? I go, man, I love karaoke. He's like, well, my wife and I are going to go to this dive bar down the street. Do you want to come with us? And I go, yeah. And he's like, I'm Doug Wentz. Nice to meet you. And I knew Carson had played for North Dakota state. Yeah. And I was like, which is in Bismarck. And I said, any relation to Carson Wentz? He goes, yeah, it's my son. And I was like, no shit. Shit. And I, and I was like, oh, that's great. That's great. You know, but we went and had beers and, and then a year later I got booked at the same club and I come back up and, and I'm on stage and I go, uh, yeah, I, last time I was here, I, uh, I became friends with Carson Wentz's parents and everyone kind of starts laughing. And then I hear this one table, like really laugh and I look over and his fucking parents are sitting there again. They came back to see me. You know? <laughs> And I said, yeah, we're going to go. I was like, I hope we get to go do karaoke again at the, whatever the bar was called. And then after the show, he's like, why did you tell everyone? Now everyone's going to want to come to this gig. Like <laughs> we wanted to just hang out with you. And then, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, his mom, um, well, it's a stepmom, but she, uh, she messaged me and she was like, you know, I have a corporate event coming up in September and this would have been like this would have been September of 2020 and she oh, got a hold shit. of me. She got a hold of me in like February of 2020. And she's like, you know, what would it cost for you to come up? And so we kind of like worked out a deal and, uh, and then the gig got canceled, obviously, yeah. but, uh, I would have met Carson once finally and all that. But the point of that story being like, you never know who's in the audience. You never know who's, who's going to be there. And it was like, when I got to go out to San Diego and I did two nights at the comedy store in La Jolla and I got to do some showcases there. And I mean, there were some, there were some big names there. There were some heavy hitters on the bill. And yeah. if one of those guys would have enjoyed my stand up and decided to take me with them, you never know. No, it's, uh, I got a, um, you know, I got kind of a story about that and I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that it was these guys, but you just never know. Even when you're just out, like who you who you run into and what they could become. Um, you know, I was at this, uh, I was at this wrestling, yeah, I was at this wrestling show, and um, shit, it was like uh, these guys were sitting in front of me, and they're like, "Hey, we make," uh, you know, it was uh, in Chicago. It was this big, big whole event. You know, CM Punk was going to win the belt and then leave the company. Big thing. When the guys were sitting in front of me, they were like, yeah, we make Colt Cabana shirts. And lo and behold, like years later, I'm like, I think those are the Pro Wrestling Tees guys. Now, Pro Wrestling Tees has a comic store, but they're the ones who, when the Young Bucks started getting hot, they started, they started putting all the wrestling shirts from the indie guys in Hot Topic. Mm -hmm. And now they're, I believe, they're printing all the shirts for AEW. So Sting, when he just came back. Oh. That, so it's like. What was his name? Like Rick Borland or Scott Borland? I don't know what his real name yeah, is. Scott. Is it Scott? Or yeah. No, it's uh, Steve. Steve. Steve uh, yeah. Bori. But I, dude, I, I look at it every time. I'm like, oh, fuck, it's just Sting. I remember <laughs> in like seventh grade when I found a website that had all the wrestlers' real names. And I was like, oh, no. Like, it broke my heart. I it, thought, I mean, I thought, I thought uh, Terry Hogan was his name, you know. Oh no, no. Yeah, the probably the worst one is when you read Ricky Steamboat and you know his name is Ricky Blood. Like, why the fuck did you change your name? Yeah, but, well, like Jamie Fox, you know, that's not his name. Yeah, it's like whiter than my name. Jamie Fox's name? Yeah. What is that? I guess I never really looked it up. I'll look it up because it's 
it's like Edwin or something. Like it's <laughs> it's really funny. But I'm sorry to interrupt your no, story. No, good. No, um, where was I? Where was I going with that? Eric Marlin Bishop. That's a very white name. That's his name, Marlin. Marlin's a cool name. Marlin is a cool name. If I ever had a son, I named him Marlin. You won't, but I probably <laughs> probably not. I might be shooting blanks, bro. It's I don't not know. Happen. You've no. done a lot of damage to your body. <laughs> Dude, I really have. Physically and mentally. Yeah. <laughs> Drink a shitload of Mountain Dew, bro. My sperm count is gone. <laughs> yeah, all that aspartame. Jesus. Yeah. As I'm drinking a Diet Coke. But yeah, well, I think uh I think we'll save uh, a lot more of this bullshit for the next time. I yeah. appreciate you coming by. Uh I'll plug your website here. Do you uh your gigs that are coming up? Um you yeah. got any BobbyRayBunch.com. Um, I'll be at Twinspan Brewing in Bettendorf on the 28th of January. And then I will be at Rhythm City Casino on February 13th. And then Contrary Brewing in Muscatine. I'll be there on the 14th of February. And then uh, BRBIsHome.com for all of your uh, real estate needs. I'll have my shirt tucked in for you and, and uh, help you Either find a house or I'll stick my stupid face in your yard and see if anyone wants it. Hey, there you go. I'll uh, I'll have all those uh, all the links in the uh, in the description here. But yeah, appreciate you coming out. I will. I'll be at that Twin Span. Yeah, gig. I got to get the cucumber beer again. Foodtruckfight.com. Ooh, yes. I'll have some info on it. I think we need to make some updates to it. But uh, you know, we're hoping to do some semblance of an event uh, in 2021. So and uh, shops with hops, still same thing. That's uh, I think you can go to bobbyraybunch.com slash shops with hops for all that information. Perfect. All right. Well, guys, go check out uh, Bobby Ray Bunch and go support him. You know, if you need a house, he's your guy. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Are you, or, by the way, Iowa and Illinois? Iowa and Illinois. Iowa yeah. and Illinois. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So if you're in the Quad City area or you're, you know, wherever, hit him up. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, man.